For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing for $5 a month, click the Substack link in the episode notes. You won't get any extra episodes, but Gabriel will think warm thoughts about you. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. Oh, good morning, or good whatever time it is when you're listening. I have a sip of my very mediocre coffee. Mmm, not quite delicious. I actually like my coffee uh, like I like my women. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. Available in a Wisconsin gas station next to the cheese curds. I am in Wisconsin right now. Uh, Beautiful fall foliage, by the way. Foliage is a word I'm not confident in saying. But I I, I think I did it. Beautiful fall colors. We don't really have, that's not really happening in the great Pacific Northwest where I live. It's been, uh, I mean, I've been gone a couple days, but it was like 80 degrees a couple days ago. We're having uh, what we used to call an Indian summer in the Northwest, but of course that's not the right term anymore. Uh, now it's called uh, Indian Global Warming. This is not. Kia Rio Studios. This is a guest studio. This is Honda Accord Studios. More specifically, a 2011 Honda Accord. And you might be thinking, what kind of cheap ass car rental place rents out 2011 Honda Accords? I didn't use a car rental place. Car rentals, depending on where you go, are so ridiculously expensive that uh, I just stole this car from the airport. That's not true. Uh, I used uh, I used an app called Turo. Turo. Enter promo code F A R T and receive no savings. Turo. It's, uh, I guess it's like uh, Airbnb for your car. You can just sign your car up on Turo, and then people like me who are flying into Minneapolis-St. Paul can, like, rent your car for a couple of days. And uh, it was about 100 bucks cheaper, even after. I had to, I mean, if you do it from the airport, there's all these extra fees and stuff, so... I just took an Uber to pick up the car. Even after two Uber rides, I'm probably saving a hundred bucks by not using a rental car agency. But it's a 2011 Honda Accord. 
it feels illegal. Like, I never even met a person. I just got, it was like, hey, here's where the car is. I left the back passenger door unlocked. The keys are in the seat. On the app, I'm supposed to take pictures of, like, damage to the exterior of the car. And I'm like, it's the whole car. It's a 2011 Honda Accord that's beat to shit. There's scrapes, beat up things. Just the whole car is damaged. Don't blame me. The low tire pressure light is on. I sent the guy a message. He's like, don't worry about that. It's always on. I'm like, all right. So, 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 so far, so good in my 2011 Honda Accord. But man, this feels sketchy. Also, you know, if your enterprise rent-a-car breaks down, there's a 1-800 number to call. If my, if this car breaks down, I gotta call this dude and hope his mom can give him a ride to pick me up in Wisconsin. It, you know. Also, gas is $2 a gallon cheaper where I am right now than where I live. Gas is always cheaper than, you know, West Coast, East Coast, pretty expensive. But, you know, middle America, the South, most places are cheaper, but not $2 a gallon cheaper. Goodness. Thanks, Joe Biden. <laughs> Who would want to be president? It's amazing to me. Who would want to be president? Just whatever is happening. Thanks, fill in the blank. I had a show uh, last night at the Landmark Resort in Egg Harbor, Wisconsin. Yeah, I know. I was just as surprised as you. It was a good show. I needed it to be a good show. Because my show before that show was at the Lime in Kirkland, Washington. And I ate my own asshole. I have, you look, when I hear people say nice things about me um, as a comedian, uh, these are the things I usually hear. Uh, I hear people talk about the laughs per minute, like so many punchlines. That's a nice thing people say about me. I also hear people say, he never has a bad show. I've never seen him bomb. That's another thing people say. I'm going to add a third thing that people say about me in comedy. He never tried to fuck me. So, you're welcome. The only person who can't say that is Casey McClain. Because, you know, I was sleepwalking. I told him I was a sleepwalker. Some of us sleepwalk with erections, okay? Okay. Don't. It's a medical condition. 
I got you the gig. I don't want to hear any shit out of you, McLean. But let's go back one. The one about how I never bomb, how I always do okay or great. Well, I appreciate that reputation. Maybe it's overall fairly true. But not if you were at the Lime in Kirkland, Washington last week or this week. Look, that's not a good room. I told you I didn't want to do the show. It's always been a bad room, but I still do pretty good usually. Usually it's like loud and rowdy and people aren't paying attention, but like last time I was there, still persevered, had a good show, sold a couple hundred dollars worth of merchandise. I showed up. Uh, it was actually very lightly attended. I thought that might be better. I thought, hey, there's not a lot of people here, but maybe it'll be a little more focused as a room. First comic didn't do great. Second comic didn't do great. I mean, not bombing, but like, you know, it's not a great room. But I still thought, hey, maybe I can pull this out. There's a lot of factors that went into it, I think. Uh, one factor is a really big room. Not that many people, very spread out. Uh, also, the Seattle Mariners had just lost a playoff game in really bad fashion. A walk-off three-run home run in the bottom of the ninth to lose to the Astros. And I'm going to say the third thing uh, is I was just so tired. Not even physically. Uh, yes, physically tired. Spiritually tired. Overextended. I've been doing way too much fucking comedy. Not enough life. I didn't want to do the show. So I think maybe that had something to do with it too. I just didn't have it in me to overcome the obstacles. I just... Look, I'm not saying no one responded to any of the jokes I did, but it was a couple of chuckles. I did crowd work. That went nowhere. I just, I bombed, okay? I bombed for 45 minutes. <laughs> Is Home Depot open? I don't know rope start. I'm actually releasing an album. I'm, I'm taping it tonight. Sorry. It's called 45 Minutes is a long fucking time. It's going pretty well. That's what she said. Didn't even try to sell merch. I actually probably could have sold a shirt or two. Uh, but I just wanted to go. I just wanted to leave. <laughs> it's. I was thinking about it. it I think I even said it on stage when I was there. I mean, I think it's the worst show I've had in years. I mean, you kind of can't count Zoom stand-up comedy shows. It actually kind of felt like when I was on stage that I was streaming to people who weren't paying attention. The last show I remember being as bad as that show I just did was early 2020 and it doesn't really count in the same way because the problem there was like no one could hear me like the sound was so bad that no one could hear me so I just had to talk to myself for a certain amount of time but that's technical difficulties that's 
this was just straight up, oh boy, this is not going well. There was someone before the show, I walked in, and he was like, are you performing tonight? And I was like, yeah, and then he turns to his buddy and he goes, this is the funniest fucking comedian you're ever going to see in your life. And at one point, while I was bombing on stage, I saw that man and his friend leave. I'm sorry. You hyped me up, and it didn't pan out. I'm sorry. You overpromised, and I underdelivered. So I know Adam Tiller was the middle act. I know he listened to this podcast sometimes. When that conversation happens to come up, if it comes up, if anyone around you says, Gabriel Rutledge, never seen that dude bomb, you can be like, I have. It is funny, though. I even talked about this con. I talked about this last episode where I... Life karma, I don't know if I believe in life karma, but comedy karma, I do believe in. And, uh... It was one week that I did this show on a Tuesday in Kirkland, Washington. A couple days ago, as of this recording. The week before, on the Tuesday, I was... I did two sets at the Comedy Cellar in New York City. I was riffing with Dave Attell while he riffed at me. I was... I was having a moment. A week later... just eating shit. How bad was the show? Someone came up to me after the show and was like, do you have a card? And I laughed. Because I'm like, what, you want me to come to your private event and make it awkward? But then I realized she was, <laughs> she worked for some publication in the uh, east side Kirkland, Washington area. And she was talking about advertising. I think she was trying to get me to give her money. If a show goes well enough, people go, Hey, I want to book you at a place where I work. Or can I do a private event where you perform for me? This show went so bad. This lady was like, I bet I can get money out of this son of a bitch. You know, with proper promotion and a well-placed ad... Wouldn't have this been better if hundreds of people could have watched you shit the bed instead of these 28? That's why I needed a bounce back show. And then when I got to this show in uh, Egg Harbor, Wisconsin, they were old. How old? Average age deceased. That's how old. And I don't know what it is. Look, I'm 48 years old. Uh, yeah, I do look pretty good. Thank you. I'm 48 years old. I am... In 12 years, I will be 60 years old. Lord willing. 18 years ago, I was 30 years old. So why would I prefer a room full of 30-year-olds over a room full of 60-year-olds? I don't know, but I would. Also, these people, most many of them are more than 60. I was talking to one guy from uh, 
I can't remember where. Uh, where are you from, sir? Sheboygan Falls. Sheboygan Falls. That sounds made up. <laughs> uh, but him and his pals were there. They were 87 years old. But it was a good show. Thank God. It's a, I can't even describe to you how fragile a comedian's confidence is. If it's going well, I am so confident. I'm like, God damn, these people are lucky to see me. These jokes are brilliant. This crowd work is incredible. Am I the best comic in the world? Of course not. Am I pretty fucking close? I am tonight. That's how it feels when things are going well. When I'm just shuffling through my jokes and unsuccessfully doing crowd work to a less than tepid response in Kirkland, Washington at a sports bar on a Tuesday night, I'm like, you're right. These jokes stink. My crowd work's terrible. I suck. Am I the worst comic in the world? No. But I'm pretty close tonight. So, me and those old people got along pretty good. I don't really, uh, I don't really have a look that says I'm doing well financially. <laughs> You're right. It's okay. It's alright. <laughs> I don't know. I, when I was younger, uh, I would see people older than me. Not anyone in this room. Different ones. <laughs> I don't know what it is about tonight, but man, I feel young. I don't know what. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you just, you wake up some days and you're like, I'm feeling it. Why are we all here and old? Like, what is... What's, what's happening? Is there a bus that goes around? You're like, hey, Harbor Thursday, get on in. Next stop, Sheboygan Falls. Also, I have some new jokes about my wife wearing hearing aids, and uh, boy, is that the right demographic for those jokes. I said, that's the right demographic for those jokes. It was funny, like, I, you know, I was, I was hoping merch would go well, but old people don't really buy merch uh, as much. So I, I only sold one shirt. I mean, my shirt says party like a coin star. Available at GabrielWetlers.com if you want one. Uh, and, like, I don't even know how many... I'm not sure they, the whole room even understood what Coinstar was. Are we familiar with the Coinstar machine? Where you, you cash in your change? Do they have that in Sheboygan Falls? <laughs> Has Coinstar made it to the falls yet? No. No, not yet. Well, get ready. Also, 87-year-old people don't buy t-shirts unless they say, like, Pearl Harbor veteran. 
But I actually did not. I didn't do crazy good. I sold one shirt to the youngest guy in the room who was about my age. But I had several people just give me money. That was a great night. Here you go, young man. I'm like, yeah, I'll take your... I'll take your tax-free donation. So, yeah, sometimes uh, sometimes you're uh, at a re- lake resort in Egg Harbor, Wisconsin, and you're like, you know what, for my psyche, for my comedy self-esteem, I really, ne- I really need this one. I've had to... Uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. And my Honda Accord. I'm, uh, I'm headed <laughs> to St. Paul uh, to work the uh, Laugh Camp Comedy Club. I haven't been there in years. It was fun last time. Looking forward to it. Honestly, I probably shouldn't have done this weekend. Uh, like, I'm making money, but it's like not amazing, you throw in a $500 flight, you throw in a extremely used car rental. You know, I'm, like I said, I'm making money, but it's like not amazing. I probably would have made the same money hanging out doing a couple of bar shows in the Northwest, but uh, I don't know, sometimes you get, it's like I haven't been to Minneapolis-St. Paul in a long time. I used to draw pretty well there. People hit me up, when are you coming back? And so I am coming back, and I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe, the, you know, inflation, travel costs, maybe uh, maybe there's some economic realities I'm not factoring in, but whatever. If I do $400 in merch tonight, I'll be like, I knew I should have come here. But, Yeah. Accidentally speeding right now. Got to slow shit down. I tried to use the cruise control, but uh, it doesn't work. So, Turo.com. Turo. My car's a piece of shit. Do you want it? That's their slogan. I mean, what's next? You can give people your car on Turo. You could rent your car on Turo. Or you could on Turo rent your car to an Uber driver and then you get a cut of what they make doing Uber. How many layers of app employment? How many layers of app income can we get to? I had to do call-in for morning radio uh, for my upcoming shows in the St. Paul in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, which I was really not happy about. Wednesday morning. I flew out on Wednesday. But my flight was like at 11 a.m. But I had to call in at 6 a.m. I actually sat in my car. I mean, most everyone was still asleep and my my wife wakes up at 6 a.m. So it was like 5.55 a.m. I call in. I went I sat in my car in front of my house like a weirdo. Because it was too cold to be outside. <clears throat> That's my normal, uh, any sort of radio or any kind of interview. I just 
go to the backyard and walk around, but it was too cold and dark. So I just sat in my car like a weirdo. But it's funny that most, almost every interview I do now, which is not that many, and it's way less than, you know, there was a time you would roll into a comedy club and you would do three, four, five radio interviews on Friday morning. And I'll be honest, I don't miss that time. Uh, but I did this call-in one, and a very common line of questioning is, can you even joke about anything anymore? Are people so sensitive that there's not even... And like... I think... I don't know. It's all true in a weird way. Like, it's like, are people too sensitive? Yes. But like, it's kind of overblown. IRL. In real life, I travel the world doing jokes. I don't have an edgy act, but it's like... It's fine. In the room, it's fine. You can say a lot of shit. In the room. No one cares. They're caught up in hopefully laughing. There's not a lot of blowback live. Online? Sure. I mean, I, but I don't, I don't know if it counts online. You know? Online is like, you know, if the joke is like, two guys walking to a bar, online is like, well, did you know alcohol is poison? So it's nice that you're doing jokes about people literally poisoning themselves with alcoholism. Also, why are people still going to bars? COVID is not over, okay? Also, how do you, are you assuming they're men? Do they identify as men? Did you even ask? That's what online's like. But I don't think it matters. It's just noise. I don't even think the people saying it believe it. And like I said, I'm not trying to like... I'm not an edgy dude. I'm not an edgy comedian. So maybe it's easier for me to say. So maybe I don't have to deal with that sort of thing. But online, yeah, I mean... I had a joke, uh, if you're familiar with my act, about me being the assistant manager of my family, my wife being the manager, and uh, I remember that one, it got a bunch of views on TikTok, but it also happened to, I happened to put it up the same week some sort of hashtag about emotional labor was going around TikTok, and so there was like, you know, hundreds of comments, like, this is what I'm talking about. Husbands just assume their wife has to do all the work. And this is implied emotional labor. And by the way, <laughs> what about, <laughs> what about implied labor labor? I don't just, I don't take for granted what my wife does. 
she has a job now. I don't take that for granted. But for most of our married life, she was a stay-at-home mom. That's a huge value to my family. That was important to us. We're like, we'll be poor because this is what we want to do. I know my wife is more organized than me. I know my wife does more. She's a better parent in that sense than me. I think in general, moms are better parents. I'm admitting that in the joke. The underlying theme of that joke is thank God for my wife. She is running shit. I am also not a moron. I am not some like bumbling sitcom dad who's like, what? Oh, dad. I, but I didn't. I never said to my wife, get in the kitchen. Go take care of the kids because you're a woman and that's your job. But she did do that shit. And if that's implied emotional labor, there was also implied labor to me. Hey, go make the fucking money, asshole. What about that? What about that implication? What about that assumption from society that, by the way, I took on willingly and I still take on willingly? I'm trying to do that. That's one of the reasons I'm fucking have this ridiculous schedule as I am trying to provide for my family. I signed up to do that. Or at least my sperm signed me up to do that on my behalf. But that's never a fucking hashtag. There's never a hashtag that's like, oh, so men are just supposed to be financially responsible for the family while the woman stays home at work or while the woman takes care of the kids. I mean, comedy's not a traditional job, but my wife and I ended up, I mean, for being punk rock kids, we ended up very traditional. Dad, you know, for most of the, most of our, our parenting life, dad went to work and mom didn't. And now she does, thank God. I don't know what we do without that money and health benefits, but. My point is, I have put jokes up online that did get some blowback. Nothing on the, like, sort of canceling level, but just, like, jokes that seem very innocent. That online people are like, that's, you know, that's not right, or, you know, it's not cute that men are stupid. But comedy is the truth exaggerated. I have to pretend like I'm a little more stupid than I am on stage because that is a humor tool. I have to exaggerate a family story or two because sometimes they're not funny enough on their own. You gotta spice them up a little bit. So anyway, I think it's a little overblown to say like, oh, you can't joke about anything anymore because there's a comedy club every night where people are joking about everything. And not only that, but if you can brand yourself as some sort of outsider who's like, yeah, I said it. People try to cancel me, but I'm, t I, you know, whatever. 
I'm like a free speech comedian or whatever. That's very, can be very successful. It's funny though, because a lot of very successful comedians who are like kind of branding themselves on like, I'm joking about the things you're not supposed to joke about anymore. It's like, they're just really funny versions of every single open mic in the country. Every, every open mic at any comedy club in the country you go to, there's comedians joking about things you're not supposed to joke about anymore. But it usually doesn't go well because they're terrible at comedy. But Even when, I remember when Dave Chappelle was getting a lot of blowback for uh, some of his specials where he's, the people were like, he's talking about the stuff no one has the balls to talk about. I'm like, oh, go to an open mic. There's... Ten comics who all have trans jokes. So, you know. He's as brave as an open micer. I guess it's a little more brave when you have a big platform, but you know what I'm saying. But the other side of that is it's like, not at my level, but... That cancel culture thing is real. I mean, there's... It's not, like I said, not... Any comedian who kind of gets plucked out of uh, the middle of the pack to get like an SNL job or any job like that, like all their tweets get looked at. You know, Shane Gillis uh, got hired to be on Saturday Night Live and, uh, you know, they found some podcast clips of him saying dumb shit. I mean, if I ever got hired at SNL and people had to listen to all my podcasts, uh, first of all, I apologize to whatever research department has to do that. But actually, I think the truth of it was it wasn't even a research department. It's not even SNL. It's someone else. It's some other online asshole who's like, I found something offensive, everybody. So Shane Gillis didn't get that job. He has a special on YouTube. It's very funny. You should check that out. But I heard a story uh, that also lets you know that cancel culture is real. Or maybe not. I mean, take that. It's kind of a loaded term, cancel culture. But it's some of the realities of, of online world coming into real life world. Tom, I heard a story from Tom Papa. He didn't tell me personally. It was uh, on an interview. Tom Papa is a very... I mean, almost clean comedian. Used to open for Seinfeld. He's got, like... He's been on TV. He's done some acting. He's in theater. He's a theater act, which is, you know... That's a level of success most of us dream about. But he is not an edgy comedian at all. And Tom Papa told this story about how he was doing a TV show. They already shot some episodes. And a clip of his that he actually removed from his special on his own accord but somehow it got out it was him talking about uh, it, I don't remember it would help if I remembered what the actual clip was about but it was basically him saying uh, it was about racism it was about how sometimes racism is like not understanding the culture and he does not understand Chinese people there was more to it than that but people at the network saw this clip, even though it was not on a special, but video of it was still out. 
and they killed the whole project. There wasn't even that much online chatter about it. They were just like, we can't, we were, we're afraid to do this because this clip is out there. So we're canceling the whole show. So it is a real thing. Obviously at my level, it's not. That's not a factor. But again, this isn't, this isn't like, oh, Louis C.K. who has some sort of like inappropriate masturbation scandal or someone who is uh, accused of, you know, there's other comedians who are like accused of whatever. Some are accused of rape. I mean, they weren't convicted, so it's in like a weird gray area. What are you supposed to do with an accusation? But it's, it's, it's not that. It's a very clean middle-of-the-road comedian had a joke that network people were worried about and he lost a TV gig. I think he still probably got some money from it, but, you know, they killed the show. So you also just can't laugh it off like it's not a real thing. So it's both things. It's overblown, but it's also real. Just like, you know, I live near Seattle and Portland, and even last night in Wisconsin, people are like, be safe over there in Seattle, because they think Seattle is just on fire, and like some sort of anarchists are running the government. That's not true. It is true. Seattle's pretty fucked up right now, and so is Portland. So it's, you know... Like most things, the truth is in the middle. I also feel like about online comedy that maybe I have a different algorithm because I'm a comedian. But, like, I, I just feel like stand-up comedy clips are, are reaching a saturation point. where people are just going to be like, skip, enough stand-up comedy. Good God. You know, before my time in the 80s, there was a stand-up comedy boom, and one of the reasons people say that boom stopped is there was so much stand-up comedy on television that people no longer felt the need to go to a comedy club. And uh, it's not on television necessarily, but it's on your feed now, and a lot of it's not good. And a lot of it is just stupid clips of crowd work clips. And look, I put up crowd work clips too, but it's like, you know, we're all trying to make, I mean, I'm trying to make the, these well-crafted jokes that flow into another thing, that call back to another thing, then make a 45-minute or an hour-long show, and then... You go online and it's some guy going, nice sweater, douchebag. Four million views. What's your name, sir? Tim? Sounds like a douchebag name. Am I right? Look, I don't, you can't go back too far in your family tree and ask 
people's romance stories because they start to get illegal. Uh, it's true. Anyone like great grandparent age or beyond, you're like, how'd you and grandpa meet? Like, I was in ninth grade. He was back from the war. You're like, no, 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 no. Don't tell people that. We traded my sister for a goat. Like, good lord. I feel like that might have been too close to home for this room a little bit. Anyone in here been married like a, a, a long time? I'm like, we'll say 30 plus years, something like that. 40 plus years. A lot of you. Yeah. How how did you how did you guys? How many years? 39. 39. That's great. How, how did you guys meet? My mother. Your mother. <laughs> Some say love. <laughs> did did you know her mother? Yes. Oh, you. <laughs> No, that, that, there was some pain of an answer, sir. Um, he, he worked with her when I was a little girl, actually. The prosecution rests, no more questions. We are two sentences from a goat, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I said it. So I don't, I'm not, I don't know how good this is for comedy. I mean, I have, uh, I have online content. I want people to watch it, but it's like... This is how fucked up stand-up comedy is right now. There, I can't remember her name, but that girl uh, who got a can of beer thrown at her from some sort of Trump supporter. Every comedian I know is like, oh man, she's so lucky. I wish I had video of someone throwing a beer can at me. That's what comedy's down to. When I started, it was like, someday I can get good enough that maybe I can perform some of my comedy on television. And now it's like, I hope some asshole throws a beer can at me so I have footage from my phone. She handled it well. I can't remember her name, but you know, she handled it very well. And also, I became a fan the next day because, uh, you know, it blew up. It went viral. And the next day, I saw her tweet uh, for because she drank the beer. Like they threw the beer can, it hit the wall, bounced on the ground. She picked it up and drank it. And the next day she tweeted, uh, for everyone saying I'm going to get herpes from drinking that beer can, joke's on you, I already have herpes. I'm like, okay, I like her, she's funny. But man, it's a little much. And it's also, it's also like, you know, when you go to a comedy club, there's usually a recording that's like, please do not heckle the performers. And then the audience is probably sitting there like, that's why I'm here. It's because this comedian yells at people who heckle them. There's a weird rattle in my 2011 Honda Accord, but I don't, I can't, or Toyota Corolla. I don't remember what it is. Oh, 
part of the Turo charm. Turo! Don't worry, that noise is normal. Turo. I actually think the worst thing you can do, like, if, if, if you're a famous comedian... Like, I definitely... Like, let's say I got famous. I'm a long way from that, but uh, it's 2011 Toyota Corolla right now. But... I'm never going to be the guy that's like the free speech, yeah, I said it. Just because I'm white doesn't mean I can't talk about race. That's just not my personality. It's not me. But sometimes you see like these celebrity comedians like, I don't know, Patton Oswalt, uh, uh, Sarah Silverman. And they kind of go the other way in a sense where they're like, I am gonna be woke. I am gonna. I'm on the side of political correctness. Uh, they, they do that thing. But what happens then is like you can never be correct enough. I I I see them taking so much shit online from progressive people because stuff they did in their past. They said the wrong thing about. It's like. If you try to play that game where you're like, no, I'm always going to be one of the good people. That's a losing battle. Sarah Silverman used to be delightfully inappropriate. Her old stand-up is uh, hilarious and like definitely edgy. She had a show on Comedy Central. It was like a sketch show. No, it wasn't a sketch show, but it was, it was, I thought it was hilarious. She gets shit for that all the time because there was that episode she wore blackface. But again, I don't remember the exact details of the sketch, but it was like, it was not okay that she was wearing blackface. Like, it wasn't like, it was being made fun of in the show. Like, I think in the show she didn't know it was inappropriate or something like that. But now it gets just it gets told like, oh, really, Sarah Silverman, progressive? Is that why you wore blackface? It's like okay. And I haven't. I don't think she's put out anything in a while. I don't know what her stand-up is like now, but uh, I'm gonna guess it's not as funny as it was, because that was like her whole thing. It's just a weird thing to be like, you know who my favorite stand-up comedian is? It's the one who follows the most rules. The one who puts the most limitations on what they can and can't say. The one who's always worried about being on the right side of history for all of their punchlines. You're like, oh, yeah, that does sound hilarious. I mean, like I said, I'm a... You know, I'm a mainstream, middle-of-the-road douchebag, but, like, isn't part of comedy laughing at what we're not supposed to laugh about? You ever see someone fall down the stairs? It's pretty funny. Do people ever, ever get hurt falling down the stairs? Yeah. Oh, you're going to laugh at that? My grandma 
fell and broke her hip. Is that funny to you? Well, no, but when I saw that person fall, it was pretty funny. I think I've said this before, but you don't laugh because of who you wish you were. You laugh because of who you are. It's instinctual. How many times in your life have you laughed and then are like, I should not be laughing at this. This is really not funny. Or it is funny, but it's not the kind of thing you should laugh about. Okay, now I'm going to complain about my dry bar special. Uh, first, let me acknowledge my privilege. Uh, I'm happy to be on dry bar. They have over 2 million YouTube subscribers. I can't get that on my own. My special, the full special's been out for over two months now and it's got over 700,000 views. That's great. There's no fucking way I could have done that on my own or I would have by now. I appreciate that. And again, this is secret information, all right? This goes no further than this podcast. But the way the comedy, uh, the way the money works on Dry Bar is after they recoup what it cost them to make the special. Then we start sharing profits. Me and Dry Bar. Part of what they recoup is the money they paid me. I already got paid some money. It was like sort of like what you would get paid to maybe headline a comedy club weekend. I can't remember what, you know, I think it's around $13,000 is the total amount of money that needs to be recouped before we start sharing profits. I believe I'm about halfway, according to the last report this him, I'm about halfway to being even and starting to share profits. But on the YouTube special, uh, I'm on, uh, at the very end of it, there's me doing a personal plea to please tip for what you've just seen. I actually thought it was just for the app. I didn't know it was going to be on YouTube. So people watch the special and there's me at the end going like, Hey, thanks for watching. You can tip me. Uh, you know, I think I made some joke about maybe you don't know what to tip for a comedy special. Well, I googled it and Google said three months salary. You know, like it was a wedding ring or whatever. Yeah, what about the implied emotional labor of buying a wedding ring, by the way? Anyway. Not that I had to buy one. I... <laughs> we might still... Christy and I might not be married if I had to actually buy a wedding ring. Especially the financial status I had at that point in my life. But... It was like a family ring that I uh, I paid to be cleaned. So it's not like there's not love in my heart. It may be resized. I can't remember. Anyway, people are tipping on the YouTube. You can tip on YouTube. It's like a, some sort of thanks button where you can leave money. YouTube takes a cut. I think they take 20%. But like, I did a quick scroll through in the comments because if you if you leave a tip 
it shows up in the comments and I mean there's a bunch of people that left me $50 there's a bunch of there's I don't know two or three thousand dollars worth of tips that I could see in the comments of the YouTube comments what the fuck am I talking about it's snowing by the way here in Wisconsin I mean not a lot but good lord that's early Luckily, I've already let some of the tire pressure out, so I should be able to handle the slick roads. Churro! Good luck! Churro! But here's the thing. Here's the thing about those tips. People think they're paying me. But the reality it is, the reality is, they're kind of paying me. They're paying me because the... Look, that tip goes to recouping dry bar's cost. As soon as they recoup their cost, we start splitting profits. But in no way, when someone gives me $50, I am not getting $50. And in fact, right now, I'm getting zero of those dollars. And that's kind of bullshit, right? Again, it's a massive platform. Millions of views at this point between all the social medias that I've gotten on Drybar. I'm not poo-pooing that. But, hey, please give me a tip. And eventually I'll get to start splitting profits with Drybar. That's not what people think when they give you a tip. So I'm a little annoyed. And some people even leave comments like, I hope you actually get this money. I'm not! But thanks to your tip, I'm closer to getting some money. <laughs> How about that for a tip? How about that for my uh, video plea at the end? Hey, thanks for watching. Once Drybar recoups their 13 grand, I start getting a small percentage of the profits. So if you could donate, I would appreciate it. So it seems slightly weird and slightly unethical for a company that's so worried about God. And yes, I am available to shoot another dry bar special. If you're listening, dry bar. feel like Drybar should be like, yes, we're doing the recoup your thing, we share profits, but when people tip you, let's just split it. How about that? Even that, I would be like, great. I mean, if you go to a restaurant and you leave your 20% tip or whatever, and then the the uh, wait staff was like, thank you for the tip, but I actually have to give it to my boss. He takes all the tips. But, you know, it helps keep the restaurant open, so it is good for me. You'd be like, well, that's bullshit. So that's all I'm saying. I actually have a sound going kind of viral on TikTok right now. 
if you're not on TikTok, you might be like, this. don't they all have sound? But uh, it's like, it's, it's a dry bar clip, the audio of a little short dry bar clip, uh, talking about how couples, um, let's do it, uh, let's do it radio style where uh, someone asks me the question and then I do the joke. Gabriel, uh, excited you're going to be in St. Paul. You haven't been here in a little while. Gabriel, uh, I understand you're a married man. I have to ask. You've been married a while, dude. You and your wife argue? Yeah, uh, sure, we argue. We argue sometimes. Sometimes you'll hear a couple be like, you know what our secret is? We never go to bed angry. And I'm like, wow. I would be so tired. I've gone to bed angry, then woke up furious, but well rested with fresh hate. I have a different system. <laughs> That's great, Gabriel. Anyway, call the club. Plenty of seating still available. Have the uh, mozzarella sticks while you're there. They're great. Thanks for stopping by, Gabriel. We're now going to play two songs from ACDC. Back-to-back flapjacks, sponsored by IHOP. Yeah, so that's that's the audio of that joke. But the funny thing is, I'm not getting credit for it or money for it. Because you do get money on TikTok for your sound being used. It ain't a lot, but, but either is Drybar. Because some other, some other TikTok account just took a bunch of clips from the dry bar special and put it up. It's called like stand-up clips or whatever. And so me and dry bar, neither one of us are getting money from this. I mean, some people are tagging me, which is nice, but it's like, I don't know. It's two things. It's like, look, I, I like the exposure. I'm like, even if people don't know it's me, if it makes them laugh, well, that's the point of writing comedy. It's to make people laugh. So even if, even if I don't get the credit financially or otherwise, it's kind of nice that a joke I wrote is making people happy. It's kind of weird because it's just a bunch of soccer moms lip-syncing it. I mean, I'm not speaking disparagingly of soccer moms. I, I, I've been married to one. Not anymore. I didn't leave the woman, but none of my kids play soccer anymore. But, so it's kind of weird. Also, the comments are like, you know, it's just, like I said, it's just some mom in her kitchen lip-syncing my comedy. And then the comments are like, you're hilarious. I'm like, what do you mean you're hilarious? I wrote the goddamn joke. Anyway. So partly it's cool. Hey, millions of people have uh, laughed at a joke I wrote. That's cool. But I also like... doesn't pay my bills. My wife just texted, we have to take our stupid cat Don in to get his heart checked, because last time he went in, they're like, well, it's got a little murmur, whatever. he's an old cat, you know? I gotta take Don in when I get back next week. My wife said, oh, by the way, it's gonna be $600 to take Don into the vet. I would like to be able to say, no worries. I have millions of views. 
My sound has been used millions of times on TikTok and Facebook and whatever, and Instagram. That hilarious joke I wrote will pay for the vet visit. But it does not. You know what does pay for a vet visit? Turo. If you would like to rent my car, if you would like to drive around in a 2015 Kia Rio with a check engine light that intermittently comes on, hit me up. Use promo code knock sensor. And you can drive my car around when I'm not using it. Actually, even if I give you my car to use, I still might need to run a few errands. So maybe we could cut a deal where you're like, okay, for 50 bucks a day, you can drive my car around. But if I need to go like pick something up at the store, you could also give me a ride. I think that's fair. You're using my car. Also, I got my car fixed again. No money. It's under warranty. They're like, yeah, maybe it's because we were using a cheaper non-factory dealer knock sensor. So we got you the good one this time. Like, okay. Anyway. I don't know what I just talked about. I only promised to put out a podcast a week. I don't promise it will be filled with interesting or funny observations. Okay? This podcast is free and it's worth it for most of you. There are several of you who pay me $5 a month and I'm going to apologize to you specifically. Okay? You made a gamble and it doesn't always pay off. But at least when you give me money through my Substack, sure, Substack takes a little cut, but I get the money. Substack doesn't say, hey, it costs a lot of money to run this website. So until we get recouped for what it costs to run this website, you don't get your money. It goes directly to me. I believe of the $5 a month you give me, I get $4.05. So thank you. You're a good person. Thanks for listening. If you have a podcast, send it to me. I'll try and listen to it. It's only fair. I'll give you your four bucks back. (laughs) That's really what's keeping this economy floating. It's just poor people giving each other money back and forth. Hey, if I give you 20 bucks for your GoFundMe, um, can I have it back when I have a GoFundMe? Okay, cool. Deal. 